Now getting you set for everything Cardinals. This second game is a Cardinal. Three home runs. This is the Redbird Report Show with Danny Mac. Out there. On 101 ESPN. Brought to you by Jim Butler, the Kia powerhouse. Shop JimButlerKia.com. Welcome into the Redbird Report on 101 ESPN. I'm Dan McLaughlin. Coming up on the show, you'll hear from Derek Gould, a visit I had last week, as well as Brian Walton of TheCardinalNation.com. And I'll kick things off with a conversation that I had with Randy Carricker and Michelle Smallman. I visit with Randy and Michelle every Monday morning. Then it is with the Fast Lane on Fridays. Then on Wednesday, Rivs and BK. But this morning, we jumped into what it may look like with Major League Baseball returning and officially reporting July 1st back at it, Bush Stadium. That's coming up for the St. Louis Cardinals. Dan, Cardinal employees and Cardinal players and managers and coaches all going through COVID-19 testing this week as they get ready to hopefully get things started on Friday with the first workout. I am uh, cautiously optimistic that this can be done. I don't think Major League Baseball would go through this type of process <clears throat> unless they felt that, um, hey, they're going to exhaust all options to try to make this thing go. It'll be incumbent uh, on the players, on the coaches, on the manager, on the on the traveling party uh, to be, uh, you know, policing each other, policing themselves to try to make this thing go. I mean, it's a daunting task. I don't think there's anybody that believes it's not. And um, I would imagine that once they gather on Wednesday that everybody is going to have a heart-to-heart with each other. You know, some of the veterans will probably stand up or pull players aside, and especially some of the younger players, and say, look, I'm dependent on you for my health, and we're dependent on each other to try to make this thing go, and we want to make it go. We want to make, make this thing work, and when we're on the road or even at home, let's try to be as responsible as we can. <clears throat> we can't un- outrun this virus, so let's be as responsible as we can. We know it's a daunting task, um, but let's try to make this thing work. I Again, I, I'm, I'm cautiously optimistic that we are going to, to have a season, but that's why you have a pool of players as big as it is for Major League Baseball. I, I think we would be naive to think that there aren't going to be some that test positive. But, uh, again, that's why you have this massive pool of players to try to, to, to draw from, and let's see if we can't make this thing work. I want your perspective because Michelle and I have uh, – I think we're only partially differing here. You were you saw Dylan Carlson every day in spring training. Where do you stand on Dylan Carlson? He's with the big pool, but him being with the 30-man roster on opening day. Well, I think the Cardinals, with such a short season, I, I, I still go back that they're going to give Tyler O'Neill the best opportunity uh, to try to make this team. Uh, and, and, and not only make the team, but also the best opportunity to be the everyday left fielder. And then once he shows that he can be that guy, and Harrison Bader to an extent, if that doesn't work out, then I think you go... Lane Thomas and Lane Thomas has shown flashes once healthy to be a very good player. The problem with this season is this man, it just it's so short. So if you were talking about a normal season, you would give a player, let's say, I would think 30 to 45 games. And in a short season, you're talking probably, what do you say, 15 to 20 games? Maybe. Yeah. Every Uh, game is worth 2.7. 
Right. Um, I would say 10 to 15. I, I would say you give those guys 10 to 15. Now, if you start adding that up, 10 to 15. If a quarter you do, of the season. Yeah, well, half. I mean, if you look 10 to 15, you say, okay, that's your shot with this guy. Then the next guy gets 10 to 15. And if those two guys don't get it done, then it's Dylan Carlson. And I still go back. I think it's fascinating to look at. I was reading um, about one of the top pitching prospects and with another team, one of the top prospects in baseball. And will these teams, all of them, are going to be on this pool of players. They're all going to be part of their camps and whether or not they break. I I think the fascinating question with all these teams is do they look at it as a viable championship season? Mm -hmm. And that's what it comes down to. And do you want to start clocks? And, And that's a question that all these teams have to answer. But as it pertains to the Cardinals, I really believe they want to see what Tyler O'Neill has. And it seems like an eternity ago, the Cardinals feel with Tyler O'Neill, and I was told by a coach this, and it may surprise some, that he played gold glove caliber defense down in the minor leagues. For whatever reason, though, when he comes up to the major league club, and it might be a byproduct of looking over your shoulder, and remember there was a lot of guys that were here prior to them making some trades and clearing out some space, um, you know, the pressure of feeling that. Now that spot is his, and I thought he had a really good camp. Um, They're going to give him every chance to show what he can do. They think he can be a really good player. They think Lane Thomas can be a very good player. So I I think they're going to give those guys every chance to do what they think he can be. Um, But if he doesn't, then you're looking at Dylan Carlson. So I always try to manage expectations. So is it fair to say that regardless of what Carlson does in summer camp, that you think this decision is kind of already made? I I don't. I I don't. Because... I, I still think you, you got to, first of all, guys got to be healthy. Sure. Um, guys do need to produce a little bit. And I think what's really unique, too, is we don't know what was at their disposal for any of these players during quarantine. Good point. You know, I mean, I'll give you a good example. Like, I, I talked to Austin Gomber probably three weeks ago. And I said to Austin Gomber, I said, what, what have you been able to do? He said, well, I've been able to go to a park. And I've been able to play catch, you know, with with some people around here and get off a mound in a park. Now I, I'm not sure if he was able to get to the facility. I didn't I didn't have that um, conversation. How far he was able to go to uh, the Cardinals training facility? I don't know. I do know for some players they weren't. You know, some guys were just like left to go to literally a park. Mm-hmm. You know, when parks opened up, and that's what they had. Now some guys, because of their financial situation, um, have home gyms and they had batting cages and they had the wherewithal to work out and and have better facilities and others. I think it's kind of, kind of unique and and interesting mm-hmm. is like what were you able to do to stay as sharp and ready during a quarantine as opposed to some of the younger players. I really mean that. I, mm-hmm. I Now, a lot of these guys may have been able to do a lot more than what I'm saying. I don't know. But I do think that is a fascinating aspect of this. I also think we have focused so much on the pitchers. Like, how far are you ahead? Now, I do think pitchers are going to be further along than what maybe we are talking about um, because they've been told, be ready. Like, be more prepared than you would be, say, in spring training in February. Like, we've all been trying to say, okay, well, if it's week one in February, here's week two in February, kind of thinking along the lines, okay, if we come back in, let's say an agreement was two weeks ago, you know, you're supposed to be in week two here, that kind of thing. Hopefully, you're following along. 
I, I, I think position players, it's going to be interesting. They're trying to ramp this thing up really quick, quickly. And uh, a lot of people have told me, look, and I'm not a doctor, but they've said like soft tissue, things of that nature, mm-hmm. trying to get ready to play and be on your feet. A lot of people haven't talked about that, how it's going to be very tough for position players to be ready to go. I don't know. I, I just think that's something we need to be paying more attention to. I want to circle back to Tyler O'Neill things up here, and I want your take on this. So, uh, ground ball to short, bang, bang, play at first. And Tyler O'Neill uh, from Canada says to Stubby Clapp from Canada, was I oot? And Stubby Clapp says, yeah, you wrote. Well, then you wrote. <laughs> Wrote. That's why we need mic'd players so that we can hear those two Canadian guys sing. Sorry, sorry, sorry. Sorry, you wrote. That's one of the things I'm disappointed about from the broadcast side of it because that is off the table now. That was one of the things that we're going to talk about with expanded playoffs, which I really wish we would have had because I think let's just hope um, a lot of these things go off without a hitch, and you would have had expanded playoffs, which I think would have been great for the sport, but. From my perspective, and I haven't heard how we're going to do all these things, but I do think from the from when we get to playing, it's going to be it's going to hit people over the head. I think um, if you haven't been watching the KBO, like I have mm-hmm. it, it hits you over the head when there's no crowd. Mm-hmm. It's like whoa, this really is different. This is really. Not what I was expecting. Now, you get used to it. Once you start watching and you start talking baseball um, as a broadcaster, I think fans get used to it. Um, the thing that we, when you watch the KBO, I don't know any of the players. I don't know who these guys are. But when you start talking about Colton Wong and Paul DeYoung and Goldschmidt and Jack Flaherty and Yachty, and, you know, it's kind of cool. You're, you're seeing these guys again, right? Mm-hmm. So that's kind of cool. That part of it will work. But um, when you don't have that atmosphere, that's going to be different. Mm-hmm. Um, what do you guys think about piping in a little crowd? Do I you, like it. I, I do, too. I was watching some soccer. I actually thought I watched two different versions of it. Um, I watched the version that had a little fake crowd, and I watched the version that did not. Uh, they shot the game very tight, mm-hmm. um, meaning from the viewer's perspective, if you're driving along right now, that you just saw a lot of the tight action on the ball, a lot of the one-on-one with the fake crowd. The other version I, I was watching had a, kind of a hollow atmosphere, but you could hear the players. That was kind of cool, too. Um, I, I kind of liked hearing a little bit of the piped-in crowd. Now, it wasn't... Um, it wasn't taking away from the game, but I did think it added some of the atmosphere that I thought was good. I don't know. What do you guys think? Yeah, I'm with you. I, I like the idea of just from the standpoint of watching the game because you, you don't see it anyway. Yeah. So yeah. hearing the crowd is And it's a, a slower good game, yeah. too. Uh, I don't know. I, I, I've got a mixed emotions about it. Up next, it's a visit with Brian Walton of thecardinalnation.com. More of the Cardinals talk you know and love. This is the Redbird Report. With Danny Mac on 101 ESPN. Brought to you by Jim Butler Kia. Every Monday at 6, I have the Redbird Report on 101 ESPN. This past week, I had the chance to visit with Brian Walton of thecardinalnation.com. We got into the return of Major League Baseball as well as the draft for the St. Louis Cardinals. And as the Cardinals try to return and Major League Baseball, what it may look like, it's going to be different. A race to the finish, 60 games. Can be a lot of fun. We dove into it this past Wednesday. I'm just pleased that the 
labor issues between the two sides are not going to be in the headlines for a while. And now we can try to focus on what is going to be a wacky 2020 regular season. And that still doesn't mean that there aren't going to be grievances filed and, you know, the bad blood continues, but at least that's going to go in the background. And now the focus can be on, you know, how do we hope to see Major League Baseball games starting on July 23rd or 24th? Yeah, I, I look at a 60-game season as an outlier, as I've been saying forever. I, I think it can be fun. I think this can be exciting. Uh, as I said, an outlier. I just wonder, can this realistically be done? Um, we've gotten the safety protocols now. It's over 100 pages agreed upon by Major League Baseball and the union. Um, realistically, what do you think? Can this be done? Well, I think they'll try to find a way to get started. But, you know, the major questions that I'm sure you have and I have and probably everybody listening to this is what's going to happen when the outbreaks occur? And, you know, what's the what's the point at which a team can continue to play by bringing in taxi squad players? But at what point in time could a major league team be unoperational, so to speak, non-operational? And, you know, what would that mean to the schedule and the domino effect it would have on the other teams? And, you know, none of us can predict any of that, no matter how many pages of a document they have. It's going to be impossible to to plan for that situation. What do you think um, in terms of, let's say a position gets wiped out, a third base position gets wiped out, and it's the taxi squad, it's the major league, the 40-man, and your outfielders are, are wiped out. What, what does a team do in, in that spot? Well, the idea is that there'll be up to 60 players in a pool between what's on the major league roster and what, in the case of the Cardinals, will be working out in Springfield, Missouri. And, you know, they, so if third base gets wiped out, let's say they probably bring up a, a prospect like a Nolan Gorman or a Ularis Montero who are, you know, working in Springfield and ready to step in. Now, what we don't know is beyond that, will teams be able to bring guys to sort of augment their 60 players who are at home right now, you know, the next tier of third baseman. So there's a lot of open questions regarding that. The other thing we've heard is that Major League Baseball is thinking about having some kind of a league, uh, maybe playing in Nashville, of players who are not signed, who would be, you know, scrimmaging on a regular basis and be ready to step in if a Major League team has a need at a position. They could go sign these guys to ostensibly probably join their taxi squad, but to backfill players who aren't available. The other side of the thing we haven't discussed as well is we don't know yet how many players are going to opt out of playing, period, either because they're a high-risk in a high-risk group or their spouse might be in a high-risk group or someone that they live with. And so, you know, the the 40-man rosters aren't going to be 40 men in every case because there's going to be some players who just are going to say, hey, you know, thanks, but I I think I'm going to sit out. So let's define it, uh, how John Mosellock is, is going into the office today and uh, under the guidelines of Major League Baseball, uh, what happens? So they report on the, the 1st of July, spring training, if you will, summer camp 2.0, whatever you want to call it. Uh, what do they have? they got a 40-man roster. they got guys in Springfield. They've got a taxi squad. For fans that are out there, how does this all work? What, what, what is it? What are we dealing with right now? Well, the first thing is that they're going to stagger. They're going to do pre-testing before players even come in. Uh, and then as soon as they come in, they're going to start with the pitchers and catchers first, as you said, on the first. And by the 3rd uh, of July, everybody will be there. And they'll start uh, basically what's an accelerated spring training camp. The Cardinals and every team is allowed to bring in their entire 40-man roster, if they so choose, along with these 20 taxi squad players. Or they could take some segment of them and, as you mentioned, put them in Springfield and let them work out in sort of a pseudo-minor league camp or a taxi squad camp. 
So again, those details aren't known yet exactly, you know, what the mix will be in St. Louis and what the mix will be in Springfield. But what we do know is come July 23rd or 24th, whenever opening day will be, the Cardinals will be required to select 30 players to be active on the St. Louis roster. And then after two weeks, that'll drop to 28. And after two more weeks, that'll drop to the normal 26 players. Within the remainder of this 60 or, you know, whatever the number is, will be, uh, you know, ready in Springfield to be called upon. Uh, the other thing is that there'll be three taxi squad players allowed to travel with the major league roster on the road. So, you know, essentially after the first month, 29 guys, of which those three, one of them uh, is required to be a catcher. So there's guys basically right on hand in case someone gets sick say, in, or, or injured in the middle of a series. The importance of an Andrew Kisner being a multiple type player, uh, you know, can play third base, first base catcher becomes very important in this situation, doesn't he? That's right. And the question with Kisner is going to be, you know, will he be among the 30 slash 28 slash 26, or will he be, you know, on this perpetual taxi squad and only activated uh, when they need him? Uh, A good question, because beyond Kisner, they don't have any catchers on the 40-man roster. They had Oscar Hernandez, who is a major league veteran uh, in camp as a non-roster invitee, but for an odd some odd reason, the Cardinals um, released Hernandez as part of those 33 guys that they cut loose uh, at the beginning of the month. And right now, that, he kind of looks like a guy you, you know you might have wanted to keep around. But but whatever. I mean, they have they have other guys that they could slip in as needed. Brian Walton of thecardinalnation.com. Uh, Universal DH. We have that as part of what we're dealing with right now too, aren't we? That's right. The owner's proposal originally was to implement the universal designated here both in 2020 and 2021. Uh, those enhancements to the March agreement or changes to the March agreement, the players turned down. So the universal DH will only be done right now uh, in 2020. Interestingly enough, the way that ownership justified it was under the health and safety protocols, and which is kind of odd, but I guess they're thinking that the opportunity for less pitcher injury by them not batting and, and not running the bases. But in either, anyway, you know, designated hitter will definitely be there in 2020. And it really makes sense when you look at the schedule because National League teams will be playing American League teams regularly. And you want to see both teams on, a, on an even footing as much as you possibly can. I find a 60-game schedule to be fascinating because it's not 162. It's so cliche. But, man, it's true in baseball. It's now a sprint. It's not – a marathon. So if you get off to a slow start, it's going to cost you. You will have teams, in my opinion, that uh, normally would not make the postseason that might make the postseason this year because they can catch fire uh, for two months. And you might have guys that uh, get off to good starts that normally wouldn't, you know, be that type of player over 162. But all of a sudden, over 60 games, they're pretty darn good or pitcher. That's what kind of makes yeah. this fun. I, I, I'm looking forward to it. I think this is something that maybe you find some positives that come through 60 games that baseball finds out that through this, we like some of the things that we find out about this. What do you, what do you yeah, think? Yeah, I, I agree with you, Dan. I mean, let's face it. We, this season was going to be an asterisk no matter what. The only question was how big the asterisk was going to be. And so, yeah, you know, some of us are riled up about the extra innings, putting the runner on second base and forcing the designated hitter in and this, you know, crazy division alignment. But, hey, you know, consider this year a big experiment. And as you said, the, the 60 games is going to require a sense of urgency on the part of all these teams. Uh, there could be more trades, even though money's tight. There could be, you know, some maneuvering that you wouldn't have seen before. 
a very positive of this for Cardinals fans is that if you look at the strength of schedules based on 2019 records, the Cardinals have the easiest schedule of any National League team. And the reason for that is not only just the Pirates in their division that lost 93 last year, but they get to play uh, 20 games against the American League Central, which includes the 103 lost Royals, the 114 lost Tigers. So, you know, the Cardinals, they still obviously have to win, but in the 60 games, a lot of pressure. But they have a very favorable schedule compared to, say, the East Division, where you've got the, you know, like the Braves and the Nationals having to play the Yankees and the Red Sox and the Rays all the time. What do you think about starting the season with a six-man rotation? I think, you know, it's funny. Uh, Maddox was asked about that uh, a few weeks ago, and he kind of shied away from the six-man rotation, but sort of hinted that there might be something, and he didn't use the word tandem or piggyback, but some type of normal pairing where a pitcher might still pitch, you know, Jack Flaherty might pitch every fifth day, but maybe he's only going to go, you know, four innings initially. And then Ryan Helsley, for example, is his partner, and Helsley's going to pitch the next three innings, and then you only have two innings from your bullpen. So what I could see in the Cardinals have 10 or 12 players who are legitimate MLB starting pitcher candidates. So my prediction, and again, this is just my, you know, thought, is that the Cardinals may utilize those, you know, 10 starting pitchers in some sort of a sharing arrangement. You you cover the minor leagues extensively, not just the Cardinals, but you look across Major League Baseball, and, and I posed this question a lot the last couple of weeks. How teams would handle whether it was 48 or 52, or in this case, a 60-game season, the legitimacy of a 60-game season and going for a championship. So if you're the Cardinals or you're Tampa Bay or you're San Diego and you have a a system that is rich with prospects. Do you call up those players that are pretty much ready to go for major league uh, action and say, you know what, we're going for it. We want to win right now. So the question would be Dylan Carlson, uh, Cody Whitley, uh, Zach Thompson. Do you do it if you're the St. Louis Cardinals and you say, we're going for it. We're doing it right now. What do you think? It's a great question, Dan, and there's so many open questions we don't know about. these. We know these taxi squad players you know, aren't going to get major league service time unless they're called up to the major leagues, but will there be a relaxation of the 40-man roster, or would a Dylan Carlson have to be put on the 40-man roster to, to be active in the major leagues, and therefore who's going to go off? All those roster questions. But you know, you're on to a great point, and that is I still think these teams are going to want to win. I think the Cardinals are going to want to win, and if you look at the top 30 players, Dylan Carlson's got to be among them. Cody Whitley might be uh, on the cusp because you got other guys like Junior Fernandez and, and uh, Harris Cabrera who are also kind of in the mix but on the outside looking in. So, you know, some interesting questions to be had. There are going to be potentially more injuries this year. So even if guys don't make the roster initially, you know, those guys down in Springfield are going you know, to get a shot in the major league at some point in time. And so, you know, I think that the Cardinals, in the case of a couple of positions, say like right field, you know, they may not be able to be as patient as they had been in the past to say, hey, let's give this a couple months to sort out because, you know, they're not going to have more than a couple of months. So that bodes well for some of the young players. But on the other side of the coin, uh, you know, if Tyler O'Neill's striking out at 30 or 35% and is, you know, not hitting the ball with authority, you know, he might find that the rope is a lot shorter and he spends more time on the pines. So, you know, it could work both ways, but I definitely think all the managers, Mike Schild across the board, are going to be managing with a, a higher sense of urgency. Well, you hit the nail on the head. How patient can you be in 60 games? What do you think? 
Not very. I mean, <laughs> you know, not <laughs> not very. And and it, you know, it's going to depend. Let's face it. There are some teams we know, you know, aren't going to aren't going to contend this year, no matter what. But you know, because of the money situation, there could be some teams that are you know willing to pick up salary and you know grab some players. There's a trade deadline. Um, uh, it's not till August 31st, so there could be some you know some moves that uh, teams make to try to strengthen themselves even further. So. The, the line between the haves and the have-nots uh, could increase even more. Pretty cool to see the Cardinals sign their first-round pick yesterday, and the young man was in town, wasn't he? That's right. Uh, Jordan Walker, the uh, Cardinals' first-rounder, a uh, third baseman from Georgia, uh, signed for $2.9 million against a, a slot value of $3.13 million. So not only did the Cardinals have their first-rounder in-house, but they uh, picked up some slot money that they can potentially use to sign their last three unsigned players, which are – Mason Wynn and Tank Hence, the second rounders, as well as Ian Bedell of Missouri, uh, the fourth rounder. And all three of those guys remaining now, the Cardinals have both their slot allocations as well as about $1.1 million extra dollars to use to, to make sure they get those uh, young men to sign their contracts. And the word from Randy Flores uh, last night was that he believes that they will get all those deals done and all seven Cardinals draft picks uh, will, in fact, uh, join the team. And then they've also, as we mentioned last week briefly, I think, signed eight non-drafted free agents. So the total take this year so far is 15 new players into the system. So in general, where, where is that compared to in this odd year of what's going on in the, the minor league draft? Uh, where are the Cardinals as compared to other teams in, in Major League Baseball, Brian? Uh, in what way? In terms of the quantity of players signed? or Quality and quantity. Well, quality, you know, the draft, the Cardinals – Cardinals took some chances in their draft, but generally speaking, folks seem to like what they did. And I agree. They, they took three uh, high school guys with their first three picks. And so there's a longer development cycle. But given the Cardinals system and their player development, you know, they can afford to be a little more patient with Jordan Walker, Mason Wynn, and Tink Hintz. Um, and then they augmented with, as I said, uh, eight non-drafted free agents to help provide some balance in the system. And, of course, a lot has got to change. One of the articles I'm working on now is just the fact that there's a number of other players that are going to have to be released, uh, you know, roughly 40 or so players before next season begins because there'll be too fewer minor league affiliates we expect when 2021 comes around. That's Brian Walton of thecardinalnation.com. Up next, Derek Gould of the St. Louis Post-Dispatch. We are right back to it. More Cardinals talk right now. This is the Redbird Report with Danny Mack on 101 ESPN. Brought to you by Jim Butler Kia. We have heard from Brian Walton. This is the Redbird Report. We have heard from Randy and Michelle. Now Derek Gold from this past week as we talked about the return of Major League Baseball. I think it's uh, it's a tremendous undertaking by Major League Baseball. I think what they're trying to do is, uh, is going to be a remarkable test, um, but also a remarkable example for other industries and other entities and other, like, you know, I guess social touchstones that we have, um, you know, they are putting a lot of faith and demands on the discipline of the players and the organization of the team. Um, can a, you know, beast the size of more than 700 plus players um, and 30 different organizations all follow the same guidelines to stay as healthy as possible. And when you have moments um, of positive tests, which handful of teams already have had, how quickly do they move so that it doesn't, you know, um, basically bench an entire team and have the season 
come apart. So I think it's a it's a remarkable feat. Um, if they pull it off, um, it'll be an example for other places, other businesses. You know, you could see how it would relate to schools as well. Um, so it's a it's a chance for baseball after all the acrimony and frustration to not only bring entertainment back to uh, to a to a community and to a society, but also maybe a little bit of a, of leadership back too. Is the question just how far will baseball bend with this? Because we know we're going to get tests. So my my question would be, uh, testing and positive test is what is what my point. But you know, mm-hmm. if you have a bunch on a team. You know, how far do you go to where the competition level is dipping into, well, you know, you're not really dealing with major league players out there. How far do we really want to go with that competition level of dealing with an independent player out there and all of a sudden there's three or four of them out there? Is that really worth it? Yeah, I mean, I think that's a great question, but that speaks to how quickly teams have to move um, on testing, quarantine, isolating and then constant testing. So like, for example, that's not where any teams want to get. They don't want to get where it's, you know, widespread in their clubhouse because they realize how fast that could go. So sure. it's early indicators, you know, it's lots of testing early on. And then it's anybody who's been in contact or has some concerning symptoms. It's up to them to isolate. And, and they're talking about the habits off the field, you know, away from the ballpark on the road. Can you make good decision? Um, you know, can you make, even ultra conservative decisions as far as the actions you take pre preemptive um, because what you're talking about at that point in time, you know, what they, what, what they want teams to do is act fast. And then once the, somebody is in isolation test often so that they can return to play and not have it be, you know, the 14 days um, away and, and have it really kind of a, uh, you know, cause a team to come apart. Um, you know, I, I don't think, and nobody wants the the situation you described, not not because of the quality of play, but because of the quality of health that yeah. could imply that the, the clubhouse is going through. So, um, you know, it is the biggest question um, with baseball in regards to the virus is what happens if it does um, take out an entire team from competition. Do they move on? How do they do it? And and no one wants to, everybody wants to do everything possible to avoid that. Um, And that includes putting protocols in place, but also creating habits outside the ballpark. Um, And this is where it's going to take a lot of discipline from the players that uh, that limit that. Do you get the feeling, Derek, that uh, all players will report and will participate in this? Don't know yet. Um, That I, you know, you hear things that some players are, are still in the process of deciding um, as of, let's see, um, as of Wednesday, um, the Cardinals have not heard from any players who don't plan on reporting. Um, they are going to set their 60 man roster by Sunday at the latest. Um, so they'll know they need to know in the coming days if somebody does not want to be a part of that. Can you describe how the 60-man, the 40-man, and subsequently the Springfield roster, all those things will work? Can you try to describe that in Derek Gould of the Post-Dispatch, our guest? So the 60-man roster is considered an organizational roster. These are the players that teams have to choose from for the entirety of the 60-game schedule. Um, You can move people in and out of that based on injury, based on long-term injury, et cetera. A player like John Brebbia, who had Tommy John surgery, is not going to count against the 60 um, organizational roster. 
um, because he'll be placed on an injured list, um, though he will be on a 40-man roster when the season is over. So 60, all the players all pulled together. Um, from that 60, there is the usual 40-man that everybody is accustomed to. That's the major league roster. Those are the players who are immediately eligible um, to move up to the active roster, which is the major league roster. Um, those would be players like, you know, Justin Williams, um, Austin Gomber, Daniel Ponce de Leon, players who, you know, either have been added to the 40 man in recent years, or you've already seen in the majors. Um, and the way they would move from the 40 to the active roster is the same as it would be if they were in Memphis, they'd be promoted and they would be optioned out. Um, so you'd have, uh, you'd have 20 players beyond the 40 that would be considered taxi squad members. That's uh, kind of the slang term. Um, and they would be housed in Springfield. And then you would have an additional 10 players who would be optioned off the 40 man roster, um, you know, basically cut from spring training camp, just like uh, normal um, and sent to Springfield. So you'd have 30 players there. And then every team will start this 60 game stretch with a 30-man roster up from 26. Two weeks into the 60-game schedule, that will be reduced to 28. Um, it's expected that it'll be pitchers that are that are cut from that roster. And then four weeks in, one month into the 60-day schedule, it will be reduced to the 26th, and that's how every team finished the season ingers. I think it's fascinating whether you're like Sandy. I've been saying this all month long and really since the – uh, labor agreement uh, uh, was being discussed if and when it came back, like you're Tampa Bay, you're the Cardinal, any team. Uh, but if you're rich in certain areas or you have a top prospect, you know, how you view whether it was going to be 48, 52, 70 games, right. 60, you know, what is a season? What is a championship season in the eye of the beholder? Uh, what do you view as a competitive championship season and is it worth bringing up these players I, I find that fascinating and then is development of those players um, you don't want to stunt their growth and as you mentioned the competitive spirit of this of, of number one being just you know trying to compete but then also you don't want to stunt the growth of the player so right. the only competitive real competitive nature of the team and then trying to make sure you don't stunt the growth is playing in major league games. That's the only games you're going to play in. So it's really interesting how you balance the two. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I, I think it, I think you're going to see teams go different ways. I mean, I think there are going to be teams that are, you know, with a poker term would be pot committed to the season, the Dodgers, right? Um, For you sure. Listen to the comments from Jim Crane. Um, you know, they have, they have a free agent by the name of George Springer coming up at the end of this year. I don't really think Houston is – I mean, they might get them on a one-year deal because some of these top free agents realize that the market ain't going to be great, so might as well kick the uh, kick their free agency back one year. But uh, but I don't see them rushing to sign George Springer at this point. Um, so this might be their last hurrah with that core group. Um, then you have a team like the Padres, right? Um, the Padres have a lot of young talent that is on the verge – or Toronto, for that matter. Yeah. That is – they're on the verge of the majors, right? They're not established in the majors. Um, some of them don't have to be on the 40 man roster. So they're not even, you know, really in sight of the majors for what would have been a normal season. However, if the Padres go, well, it's 60 games, the team that gets hottest wins, 
Um, let's pick our 30 best players and see what happens. They would be a fascinating team. Um, you know, and then on the other side of that is Milwaukee. Milwaukee doesn't have a farm system like that. Um, doesn't have, you know, the, the, the really raging prospects group coming up. So, you know, do they look at this 60 games and go, well, yeah, it's a bummer. Um, but maybe this isn't the, this isn't the time to, to, to really try to go all out to win, um, you know, a less than half season. And maybe it's just time to, to get some games in, get some play and get ready for next year, which they hope will be a full season. I mean, I think it's, I think it's really fascinating. Um, the Cardinals have, I asked John Moselak this question yesterday, like as the Cardinals brand of winning championships altered because this season is altered and, his answer was not a de- not a declarative no, but it definitely implied no that they're out to win a championship, um, and as long as there are games are played and a trophy at the end of it, they try you know go after it. So I think there will be some teams that say nope, this is not a not a full season. This is not worth our time. Um, they <clears throat> if they start off slow. They will start to divest of high salaries quickly and save as much money as possible and move on. I'll wrap it up with this, Derek. I think the Cardinals could have a tremendous advantage over other teams. Now, I think their offense is like we started at the beginning of the season. It's in question, but their pitching is so good Mm -hmm. and so deep. They could go to a six-man rotation a couple of times through. Uh, and just roll arm after arm after arm at these teams that don't have that depth. That's why I think they're going to be one of the favorites to win this thing. Yeah, they could have a rotation and then a second rotation to come in for that rotation. Yeah. So you are talking about a very aggressive use of pitching while they have it. You know, when it gets down to that 26-man roster, it gets a little trickier. Yeah, for sure. But it's still 13-13, and 13, and so you'll still be allowed to have your five-man rotation. And you could ostensibly have three additional starters or guys able to handle starters loads and then five relievers. So you, I mean, you still have a way to really access the Cardinals depth when you're talking about, you know, Hey, this might be the day Adam Wainwright starts, comes out flipping curveballs and, you know, he'll intend on throwing up six, seven innings, but say, you know, that's a, that's a two Oh game because they're not, scoring all that much and they're they're not yet proven that they're the audience they think they can be or say it's a 2-1 game well you got in the fifth inning you got Genesis Cabrera who can come in and Genesis Cabrera can throw 98 for three innings and then you go to your setup guy maybe that's Alex Reyes then you go to your closer um, who could be Giovanni Gallegos or Jordan Hicks um, you know, and that's, that's not even to mention, like you got Ryan Helsley as a bridge guy there, or even as a possible closer, um, you know, another day you have miles, Michaelis go six, then Austin Gomber go two, and you're just throwing different looks at them constantly. Yeah. And I think that that is a real benefit for this team. I will say one, just to kind of tie this all together, Dan, one of the litmus tests for the Cardinals will be when teams start to consider and that this could start in the next week as they unfreeze rosters when teams start saying look this is a high salary if we can get out from underneath it for two months um, or if we can get out from underneath it for all of next year and two months what the cardinals do because you know they really no longer have to make choices based on how a guy feels 
They don't have to look at a J.D. Martinez and go, where would we put him in the field? They don't have to look at a Nick Castellanos type player and say, well, where would we put him in the field? They can look at their pocketbook, say, well, we're willing to spend. Let's go get a hitter to change the look of the lineup and just put him at DH. It is so interesting as Major League Baseball and the Cardinals try to make a return in 2020. I'll wrap up the show in just a moment. We are right back to it. More Cardinals talk right now. This is the Redbird Report with Danny Mac on 101 ESPN. Brought to you by Jim Butler Kia. That does it for the show. This is 101 ESPN. A reminder that we do the Redbird Report. A look at Major League Baseball and specifically the St. Louis Cardinals every Monday night at 6 here on 101. For Derek Gould and Brian Walton. And our thanks to Randy and Michelle. I visit with them every Monday morning. I'm Dan McLaughlin. Thanks for being with us. We'll talk to you tomorrow at 10 on Scoops with Danny Mack as we'll come your way at 10 tomorrow on 101 ESPN. That was the Danny Mac Report on 101 ESPN. Brought to you by Jim Butler, the Kia powerhouse. Shop JimButlerKia.com.